Welcome to Fat Easy Musky Podcast. I'm Andy, joined to my right by Vance, sitting in front of Ranger. We have uh, Todd Young. He's on the telephone. We also have Todd Leopardi. He is also on the phone. And just to keep tradition, when there's two people with very same names, like Lance and Vance, we had the big V. Uh, we have uh, Todd Leopardi, and we have T-Bone. 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 Oh, wow. <laughs> No, I, I think we discussed this before you got here. We're going to call Todd Todd and uh, Todd Leopardi Leo. That's unfair. I was really excited about that. I was going to say, how does you it like feel, T-Bone? T-bone. <laughs> I'm referencing an old Seinfeld episode there when he wanted to have a cool nickname, and he was in that boardroom meeting eating that T-Bone. I love my T-Bone. Yeah. And they called him, what, Coco the Monkey? Oh, my God. <laughs> Man, I was looking forward yeah. to that. Well, anyways... You can call him T-Bone if you wish. Nah. We're going to use Leo. Not, not, not near, near as good as the big V. <sighs> <Bad>. <laughs> Devastating. So, <laughs> all right. We got that out of the way. Now I don't have to keep that rolling in the back of my mind. I'm like, Vance, please don't question until we get this going. <laughs> That's great. All right. So this podcast is brought to you by Fat AZ Muskie Products. We, have, uh, we make a line of jerk baits, soft plastic swim baits, gliders, uh, rod holders, Project X. If you're uh, looking at setting up a boat, please give us a, an opportunity to uh, work something up. I believe we have the best rod holders on the market if you're musky fishing. Um, we're also brought to you by Boshad. Uh, Boshad.com. Paul just got his new store up and running. Check it out. You can also find his baits at Mark's Bait Tackle and Ammo in Ravenna, Ohio. And they are, Vance, do you know how big they are? The biggest. In the world that's the biggest boshad dealership in the world so check them out they have a facebook page mark's bait tackling ammo they're in ravenna ohio give them a call if there's if you need any in stock standard colors and standard i guess you'd call them models bait models yeah and uh boshad.com so thanks thank you paul for uh supporting us uh todd you wanna yeah we have uh mm-hmm mcfishingguides.com muddy creek fishing guides uh we're gonna be fishing pennsylvania here a little bit in april a little bit in may in pennsylvania and then we will be heading off to the famous chautauqua lake opener is the 27th memorial day weekend and uh vance is gonna be doing some guiding right now i'm just looking at my schedule i filled a couple days today and i have about one day left to fill in May and June, and uh, we'll be ready to go. But, uh, you know, give us a call. We'll get you out on some fish. Vance and I are both ready. Ready for the season to start, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm ready. Fishing through November, so you got a lot of time. we got lots of days open June, or, or actually in July, August, September, October. So you're really so, busy uh, in the front half right now, but that's usually yeah, how it the goes. front half's really busy. Yeah, yeah. That's just because it just goes by the days, you know. People that haven't called that early, they're looking for fall trips, and yeah, perfect. And ready to go. Saint Croix rods. If you're in the market for best a on earth. best on earth, right? Mostly made in America. Mm-hmm. That's our little thing right there. Um, if you're looking for a fishing rod, any species. Hard water, soft water, salt water. Check them out, stcroy.com. Thank you, St. Croix. All right. 
we rushed through them. We got Todd Lee a party on the phone, Leo. Um, give us give us a quick breakdown who you are, what you do, and then we'll jump into the power rankings. Okay, thanks, guys. Um, I'm Todd Lee a party. I make Leo parties, Leo lures. Um, it's a small business, run right out of my house. Uh, mainly ran with my wife Lori. My son Joey helps out. My daughter Shayla helps out, and my dad. Uh, Big Al, he helps out a lot, and I uh, make everything out of cedar. Um, pretty much make all crank baits, trolling baits, and jerk baits. And we do all the painting here, and I do some other paint work for other companies also, like Matt Zuo, and have done some paint work for Dick Sporting or uh, Cabela's, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nice. <clears throat> we, yeah. We're we're gonna hit on that a little bit more here because that stemmed a whole bunch of questions. Yeah, it did in my head. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So, anything else just for for a brief intro that you want to hit up? Hit your website. Uh, yeah, it's just www.leolures.com, and we're also on Instagram, just Leoparties Leo Lures. You have a great Instagram. I love it. Yeah, you know what? I'm just. I'm so far behind on electronics. My kids are, my kids are getting me into it. Okay. And, uh, it's fun. I'm just not real good at it yet. Well, if you have people doing it for you, why why should you have to learn it? <laughs> yeah. It, do, do your kid do uh do your kids help you out with that? Uh, you got your guys' Instagram page is booming right now. Yeah, you know what my um my daughter set it up for me and then just showed me you know what I got to do to post stuff and. It's it's simple. I just had no idea what to do on it, and just sort of stumbling through it and trying to post some stuff I think people would want to see, and trying to get some videos on there. It's mm-hmm. I don't know, it should be pretty neat coming up. I'm just like I said, I'm just working through it right now, trying to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb here and just say my favorite Instagram post from you, Leo, was the one where you were car- cutting out the handle for the cook file. I, I loved I loved watching that run. Oh yeah, that was it's, interesting. That's a sort of a neat thing to show people because the way we we cut our lures out is probably a little different than most. With we have the Vega duplicator on there with a the router mounted, that when you're once your lure body or block of wood is spinning, it's tracing it, but the router is actually doing the cutting. So I thought, ah, that would you know be something interesting for somebody to look at. I loved it. Somebody that appreciates wood. Or yeah, routers. Yeah, how we do it. Yeah, or I, routers. I, I, <laughs> I loved it, and uh, you know, I guess before we go too far into this, because we'll go down a wormhole on this. We really will. Yeah. So, okay, Vance. <laughs> Vance, let's. Uh, All right, let's jump into the podcast power rankings for this week's podcast. Uh, if you want to get involved, send in your submission, uh, Facebook Messenger, comment on the post, get a hold of me or Andy or Todd, anybody. Um, and we will get you involved in this fun ranking that we've been doing since the turn of the year. Um, we are getting jammed up on these a little bit, so mm-hmm. give us some time. We'll get you in. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, we we have four today. We're not going to do a fan submission, but uh, we'll get right into it. Coming in at four this week. Andy, take it away. Four means the most points. I got four points, right? There you go. <clears throat> yeah, you All won. Right. Small victories. Hey. Con- uh, divide and conquer you know <laughs> so anyways i'm sitting here thinking 
I don't do this really all that much, but I've seen Vance cast before. Oh my god! And there's times that he he bird nests, and he's like, "Andy, I can't do this," and I'm like, "Just give it to me." I certainly don't. <laughs> well, I, I'm t- I'm speaking. I got okay. the floor right Our, now. Um, <laughs> the big V bird be- bird nest. Oh my god! So <laughs> it happens. This big bird nest everywhere, and he hands it to me with a little tear in the corner of his eye, and he's like. Can you save me? Uh-huh. And I just reach down, grab the first loop, pull, shazam, it's out. That has never happened. No, but it made a really good power <laughs> ranking since I'm four. And I've, I've handed you over my reels, and you always say that they're set up improperly. It's, and so if, if they're set up atrocious. that... If, if they are that atrocious, it should show how good of a caster I actually am because I'm not getting the bird's nest, even with the improper setup. That's why your right arm is so much bigger than your left because you have those things cranked <laughs> down so tight. That was, uh, yeah. I just handed over a, a reel to to Andy, and he was he was questioning me about it, and I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know. He was like, Who set this up? Who did it? Well, first when? I I sat him, I sat him in this chair, and then I put like this light on him. <laughs> I'm like, I give him all my gear to to fix up and whatnot, and he has to. Uh, Really get some digs in when, when I hand it over. It gets beat up and it gets used, well, man. What, That's he, what happens. What's going to end up happening is Vance is going to hand me a big box of reels, and they're all going to be loosened everywhere. He's like, yeah, I just loosened everything just so you wouldn't be able to tell what I did. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was bad. But that's a great power ranking, okay, uh, getting the bird's nest. Okay, uh, that story that I told about Vance, that, that was not true. <laughs> However, when, when I have that happen... It's it's not a bird's nest. It's called a professional overrun. Very nice. Mm-hmm. So it's the yes. quick cleaning of a bird's nest mm-hmm. or a professional overrun in my case. I bet you with that tiger braid stuff you use, Todd. Mm-hmm. And I th- do you use it as well, Leopardi? Yeah, yeah. I use the tiger braid, and yeah, I like it. That stuff. I feel like it doesn't dig as much as that Power Pro crap. I mean, it's not crap, but. When I, honest to God, when I pick up the Tiger Braid stuff, as compared to what my stuff is all lined with, it it seems like it comes out a lot smoother with that Tiger Braid oh, yeah. stuff. I don't know. I lo- I like it. I'm just not going to set up eight more giant rods and reels with with all new lines. Well, you right only now. really need a couple casting rods. I mean, if you're backlashing your trolling rods, you know, you know what I mean. Though. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. But even still, yeah, still there. Yeah, we're here. Everybody there. Hello. Yeah, we're oh, all okay. Good. We're all good. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, that was four fixing the bird's nest. Coming in at three, we'll go with uh, yours, Todd Leoparty. Coming in at three. Oh, having technical difficulties. Leo, you there? All right, we're back after dropping that call. All right, Leo, what's your power ranking? You know, mine. The only thing I could think was. Um, I was just thinking the difference of using the GPS. I mean, we went from using no electronics to just regular fish finders, and once we started using the GPS and being able to mark locations and go back and repeat fishing the same spots over, I, I just think that was that was a huge deal. Yeah, that's a great one. I mean, that's just. I mean, we've talked about it through podcasts before. The difference, like when you started fishing in a little stream up in Canada, yeah. you know, without a, even electronics. 
you know. Yeah, yeah our, our best thing we had on that boat was a paddle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 12-foot yeah. John boat. And how far it's come in the last, you know, 30 years, 40 years, and uh, now we're marking GPS coordinates that'll put you in a, within a, you know, within feet of where you're trying to find. Yeah, cause uh, I mean, whether you're fishing a small lake, you know, like Lake Arthur, Mm-hmm. Or up at St. Clair where you can't even see across it. I mean, you can go yeah. and fish that same spot where, honestly, the first time we were there, we marked the location, and we, just joking, we looked around and say, okay, which way would you go if you wanted to fish that same spot? And me and Jim Walker mm-hmm. pointed opposite directions, and it was the opposite of where we should have been. <laughs> so yeah. without the GPS, yeah. we would have never, ever fished the same spot two times. Yeah. That's uh, you, we were talking prior to starting this podcast and uh, the GPS. I know Todd, your your old unit. You know, you're thinking about upgrading grading boats mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff. The with how much data is on the units now of your GPS markings, those are really mm-hmm. tough to get up, give up. You know, some people would yeah. would buy your old boat and say. I'll give you an extra thousand if you leave the depth finder on there with all the all the spots and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. You know, that's why I'm afraid to get a new depth finder because I don't know how to get this stuff on. You know, it it it's just uh, it's it's over the top what's happening now with those units, and uh, I'm afraid I'm not going to know how to work it. First of all, I'm afraid I won't get all those old spots on there. You know, some of them are just spots. Some of them are, you know, they mean something to me because it's my daughter or, you know, a friend or a certain fish, you know, and, uh, I don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think, I don't think Todd Leo knows how to do it either. No, heck no. <laughs> so we're going to go on. back to you young guys and you guys are going to show us how to do this. <laughs> yeah. Well, we want to get a new unit. I'll try. Yeah. I, sh- I press a lot of buttons. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes when in doubt, just keep hitting buttons until it happens. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh! Yeah, I mean, but they I are. Think... It is overwhelming. What's what's available mm-hmm. out there now? Every year, you know, it used to be. At least I, I I remember it used to being like, oh, here's here's the fish finder. Okay, how big of a screen? Uh, a little narrow, four inch, a five inch, seven inch. It's all you know that. Then it caught. Oh, you can get color. Oh, is color worth it? And then all of a sudden it went yeah. some 3D yeah. stuff, then down imaging, side imaging. Now they come no, out with so many new units every year that it's even hard to keep track what is your unit one year newer because mm-hmm. they change mm-hmm. the names. And you look at stuff, you're like, oh, here's a 9-inch screen for 1000 bucks. Oh, here's a 9-inch screen for 3000 You're like, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. Some of that's... You split, them, split them up three ways get all kinds of stuff going on yeah that's getting really complicated the side imaging quality and in photo that it's giving off now is pretty uh pretty crisp what they came out with this year i mean it i wouldn't be surprised if you could actually see like a full-on shadow of a a muskie very clear you know Mm -hmm. that's what it's coming to yeah i found a boat on the bottom of the Mm -hmm. lake once with what they're out with now, you is, can see you might be able to see like a the the, the orlocks where you had exactly. your pliers. Yeah, honestly, that's how crisp they're coming out. Well, you also have to put in a lot of 
Money. effort and in, in time to understand what you're looking at. I barely use side imaging, and when I do, I have no idea what I'm looking at. But that's just a style of fishing that I don't know. We're kind of accustomed to on Chautauqua Lake uh, at this time, but you know. I really enjoy the side imaging, but I, it's very useful for me in very small mm-hmm. areas. And that's, I mean, really, that's what I, I use it for. I sometimes don't even turn on that unit. But when I go up and down the river, I know exactly where everything is. Yeah. Other than just snagging up, yep, there's a log or something there. Yeah. So. It was fun with you. The first time I ever saw side imaging was with Andy. I remember him look, I remember going up the, by the, the pines there and you were like, Oh look, there's a tire. And I was like, yeah, yeah there's a tire. There's a, there's a, there's a tire. Laying on the mm. it, it was a tire. Yeah. Uh, it's good stuff. Crazy stuff. So three, the GPS and, uh, just electronics in general coming in at two on this week's podcast power ranking. Todd, take it away. Yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about lots of stuff about going fishing and, you know, the day before this and that, but, uh, uh, my power ranking this week is the drive the day, the night of, you know, you're, uh, you're going to Canada for the week and, uh, you know, we have like an eight hour drive to get up there and th- that drive, I mean, there's lots of times that I'm, I can remember songs we listened to. I remember the stuff we talked about, uh, you know, as far as trying to get there and getting the, uh, you know, getting the, you know, getting our plan together for the week, uh, that drive, talking to your partner about what you're going to do, you know, what's going to be going on. Absolutely. Yeah. That is a, a lot of fun. We're, we're going to be, uh, doing it shortly here when we drive to cave run. Uh, yeah. And we'll be talking the whole time. We talk about it all. To a lot of the excitement, you know, it's just yeah. the, the build up to your, your fishing trip and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's exciting time. Yeah. You planned on it all this time. You got every. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm always stressed before I leave for like a week vacation or a week trip. Now I, now I do it all the time. I mean, I just fish every day up, you know, during the summer months there, but, uh, I mean, they just be very stressful, just nervous. Bearings ready, you know. Is a is a boat going to run? Everything's going to be good. We got to get everything. We have everything packed. We need, and uh, it oh. just seems like once you get in the car, that stress kind of you leaves. know. Once you get in that truck and you start driving with your the, your buddy you're going to fish with or whatever, and uh, the, the trip starts, it all takes a back seat. All those worries. It just is like okay, we're we're going now. We're on the road. We are going, and let's talk about what we're going to do. The whole way up, going through the border to Canada. Yeah, that is fun. Sometimes it's always the been fun. Not the fun part, though. No, <laughs> no, no. Or driving through Chicago it, during construction at three a.m. That was not fun doing that for driving through Chicago. Period. Yeah, that's that was that was that wasn't a fun part of the the drive that me and Todd did up to Madison. But yeah, I sure do. I I sure do enjoy those times. It's 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 all excitement. But once you do get on the road, that 
you know, at least the stress and the packing and all that BS, the tackle. Is all that stuff ready? It is ready or you wouldn't be leaving. So that is a good time. Yep. Well, that's a great one for two. Coming in at one is going to be mine, and it's musky tournaments. Competing in against other fishermen uh, for maybe a cash prize, a little trophy, bragging rights. That always always flips a switch for me I don't, I don't know i just i i like the the competing aspect of it uh it's just fun you know it's not just like a day's fishing you kind of like it's an intense you know day or day and a half what they do for the pmtt or a local club tournament or something like that 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 just uh kind of just is a different feel than just kind of going out doing a guide trip or fishing with your buddies that's right. Yeah, I think really the uh, the reason you like tournament fishing so much is because it's a form of gambling. <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> this is so I've been thrown under the bus twice now. I'm also not a gambler, and I also don't get bird's nest. <laughs> and you get awesome nicknames. Oh my god! Anyway. Tournament fishing, that was number one on the podcast power ranking. I like tournament fishing. I think... Well, let's let let, let Todd Young talk about if he feels it's gambling or not. Mm. This is an intervention, Vance. Nice. No. (laughs) I do not feel it's gambling. I feel like it does take some fishing to the next level. Sometimes, there's a time I'm almost a little bored with it. You're just going out doing your thing. I do. It is exciting. I had this... I, I write down power rankings every once in a while because it's hard to come up with them every week. And I had this listed. I, I have it written on my little notebook here for the podcast about, you know, signing up for a tournament. You know, taking that because it you know, it does it does take a little bit to the next level. And I enjoy it. I enjoy the competition part of it, you know. Most of all of us did a sport of some type when we were younger and uh it's all way gone for me. Uh, but, uh, you know, signing up for that tournament and people always, you know, I've had a lot of people say, well, you know, what do you think? I was like, well, I wouldn't sign up if I didn't think I could win. Right? <laughs> that makes sense. Now, Leo, have I know you fished the PMTT that one year with Todd. Did you do anything else? Yeah, we, we did, probably did fished the year before P- that, right? Yeah, yeah. Me and my brother, I think me and my brother fished the PMTT twice. And I think our our best in that was we come in tenth the one time, and another year we didn't place. And then I fished it with Todd, and mm-hmm. me and Jim Walker fished it one year. They were all at Cave Run. Yeah. And uh, yeah, our our first year was definitely our best down there. I mean, we there wasn't many fish caught, and uh, we I don't know it was just a, some bad luck. We lost three fish at the boat that really all three, I think, should have been landed, but just uh, bad luck of a fish jumping and, you know, plug gun flying. You didn't have a bad net man, did you? No. You know, honestly, it wasn't that. It was just, uh, I think, a little bit you're hogging the fish in because it's a tournament. It's not your, your typical fishing. And I think, you know, a couple of them, I think I hogged the fish a little bit too hard just trying to get them to the net, and a little bit was my <laughs> fault getting... I just a little bit too excited being in a big tournament. 
Yeah, I could see that. The it, it, that goes back to tournament fishing. You're you're kind of pumped with adrenaline, especially if you if you hook into one. Uh, it just changes everything. I can tell you this right now. I fished one tournament. We didn't even boat a fish pre-fishing and in the tournament, so I have no, no idea what you're talking about. We got skunked big time. But but still, I mean, there's always a chance, you know. So you're telling me there's a chance? Yeah, that, I mean that that kind of keep <laughs> that kind of keeps you in, interested. I mean, one hit, one zing of the rod, anything like that could could change everything. Oh yeah, it was it was fun. I had a blast. But as you sign up, because you think there's a chance you could win, and you want to win, you know. You want to do good in it. I was going off of Todd's recommendation saying, I think we can win this. And I said, I believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> I like Yeah, it. it didn't happen. No, but it was still fun. Oh, well. That's musky fishing. Especially the musky, you know, when in the musky tournaments. You just never, you never know what's going to happen. You could be on fish and then they're gone. I, I am going to be doing something that's never been done in podcast history. Hmm. I am giving a sub power ranking inside of a power ranking hmm. because I didn't I didn't catch a fish in that tournament. I mean, neither Todd nor I did, but I did end up getting a bait signed by Crash Mullins. There you go. So that's a power ranking off of very nice the inside of a power one. Rest in peace, Crash. That's right. Okay, with that, let's just jump right into. The whole reason why we have Leo on the phone is to talk all about him. So, Leo, let's let's start off with you. You said so many great things on your little intro there. Um, I don't know. Let, let, let's get into. Let's start from the beginning. How did you get into bait making? Um, of actually making them, I, I actually started painting a few. Like we used to use Rebels, Rapalas, mainly Rebels years ago, and. Uh, when we fished the small rivers like up in Seabright, Ontario, and I just wanted to try different colors, so I started painting some of our, you know, the rebels that we had, and then just slowly got into, you know, wanting to make a wooden bait. And uh, my dad was a machinist, so he showed me a little bit of stuff to do, you know, on a lathe, because I had no experience at all with, you know, running a lathe or anything, and just sort of went from there just started making some like small bass lures and then getting into some musky lures and it's like once you start catching a few fish on them you're getting more excited to make more and you know different colors and different sizes yeah now on that lathe what was it a a, a standard wood lathe or was it like an engine lathe for you know metals um, the first lathe I had was an old used, um, I can't even remember what make it was, but it was more of a metal working lathe. And mm-hmm. then I switched over to just a basic Sears, you know, a craftsman lathe and, you know, ended up getting a Vega duplicator and everything for that. We actually have two lathes now and two duplicators for them. And so it's a lot nicer setup what we have now compared to when, when I first started. Yeah, I, I, I remember when I first started, and I even have these baits in the Hall of Fame that I got out here. I I don't have access to a wood lathe. Now, granted, they're not super expensive for like a real entry-level model, but I have these engine lathes at, up where I work. And I remember just chucking up whatever wood I could find, big three-jaw chuck, and I just squeeze it, and it, you hear the wood popping, and I'm like, ah, carbide insert, let's go. And I just start making wood splinters everywhere. And, Two by fours. 
anything. Yeah, on a like on a lathe, I don't I don't really know if you need a real high tech. Like I, I still have my old Sears lathe. I mean, we've changed motors probably three times on them. Um, I have a Delta, but none of them are a real expensive lathe. The most expensive unit that we have is that the duplicator for it, the Vega duplicator and the routers and stuff. Yeah, I still love that Instagram post. <laughs> What's that time? Do you remember the? Uh, do you remember the first fish you caught on one of your lures? Oh yeah, yeah. We were up in yeah. Seabright, Ontario, on the Head River, and I had a. It was funny because like the baits I made back then. I mean, I'd be embarrassed to show them to anybody, but I had a. It was a three piece. It was a three piece lure, and it just had a real crazy swimming action, and I. You know, it probably surprised me as much as it surprised the muskie when it hit it, but I didn't really know if I'd catch a fish on that. And, <laughs> you know, it was just, it was a neat experience. Now, when you had that, yeah. that bait that, that you started making, was it like, I'm going to take this with me, or is it I'm taking this with me and I'm fishing it till it catches something? I mean, what what was the effort level put in? You know what, that the first year that we started using them, I actually did. That was all I was going to use was the baits that I made and start getting that sick feeling like the first day when not a whole lot's going on and you're like, oh boy, should I switch or, you know, am I doing this right or wrong or what? And I think with anything, whether it's a color or a certain lure, I, I think once you get a fish or you get a few follows, but once you get that confidence in it, everything starts you know, going better for you. If you have the confidence in it, you're going to leave it on long enough to get the fish, whether that's the lure or the color. But I think with that, we got that, I got that first muskie and then we started getting more, which we were getting Northern Pike too. But as long as we were catching fish, I was happy. And, uh, the quantity of fish that we were catching was very similar to what we used to, you know, catch with the rebels. And, um, I really didn't think that we were doing worse the first day I did, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but and how did you paint them back then? Um, they were pretty crude. I mean, I I had a, a Badger 150, you know, airbrush, and I had one airbrush at the time, and my colors were pretty much a belly color and a back color. I mean, there was, you know, two colors on them and maybe a few bars. There really wasn't a whole lot of, you know, patterns to them or anything like what I have now. But um, it was just everything was... Honestly, it was really, really basic. I mean, some were solid black. Uh, just, I, I didn't know what I was doing at all with an airbrush. I mean, it was my dad, the first time he seen me painting lures, he's like, Ugh, yeah. I don't know how well this is going to go. Because <laughs> they were, I mean, they were bad. I think I could have did better, probably could have did better with a marker. He didn't have the heart to tell you that they looked awful. He did. <laughs> Apparently, when he went, he wasn't. He, he, was he wasn't. He wasn't brutal, but he was pretty honest. But you know what? You, I think that makes you try better when somebody starts telling you what you're doing bad and what you you need some work on. Especially hearing it, my dad. He's about as easy going as they come, and hearing from him that That's for you sure. better get better at airbrushing. This might not work. <laughs> That's awesome. And did you have a? I know uh, a lot of your your baits now, uh, your trolling baits, have metal lips and stuff. Did you have a metal lip on that bait back then, your first one? No, the first ones, the first ones that I had had just a regular Lexian lip. And then uh, probably for about the first three years probably had Lexian lips, and then I switched to all metal lips 
and uh yeah we we stayed with the metal lips for a long time and just like two years ago we started making a few with some lexan but we're still making you know a lot of a lot of baits still with the stainless lips talk about that transition and why you used metal in some and you've got away from lexan and now you're making some with lexan again um you know what part of it just being honest was i was paranoid of making my bait look too much like like i'm good friends with dale wiley and other guys and um probably more paranoid that maybe my bait looked like his even though i didn't intend it to look like his and some of our old rebels that we used to use when you would cast and say hit like a rock or something the lip would snap off of it and i thought you know what if i just go with a stainless lip you can hit that off about anything that you want not worry about it there's not a not a ton of guys using you know the stainless lip or anything so that's that's probably why we made our our main switch was we started changing the body styles and going with the metal lip on them i i know i didn't i didn't know that you switched to lexan until the ohio show you know this just a month or two ago and you know to me anytime i saw leo it was like oh leo has the metal lip that was the look when when anyone said i'm like that's that's signature leo right there and i'm like there's Lexan. I'm like, what's the world coming to? <laughs> Up is down, and, <laughs> and north is south. And but yeah, I, I mean, I, I grabbed a few. I'm, I'd like to be able to go in my boat and play around with them because. <laughs> well, there's there's definitely a different. Um, I know when we first started going to St. Clair, a lot of guys, like a lot of stores, actually, I, I was selling to, were telling me, oh, we're not, you know, real interested in a stainless lip on this lake because it's so clear. Yeah. Um, they mainly wanted a Lexan lip, and we went there, and we did pretty well, and it started opening the door for getting in some stores there and stuff, and I think they started realizing that, I mean, years ago, with Creek Chub and everything that was used there, they had a metal lip, too. But um, yeah. the reason we switched to the Lexan lip this year was on our mojos. That's the only you know bait that we make now with the Lexan lip, but it just gives it a different swimming action you know, than like my Shayla Shad with a metal lip or a musky dog. And um, it's nice nice just having your different actions and some of them, you know, different how hard your rod's going to, you know, pump with the different lips and makes a difference. I love it. Now, what, what would you say is your most popular bait? I was like just going to ask the, a question similar to that. that <laughs> um, my, my most popular one for a while now has been my Shayla Shad. Um, that's, sure, that's, been, yeah. that's been a really consistent bait. Um, the Mojo, the last couple of years, I mean, that's a new bait, so that's that's been mm, getting really yeah. popular. But um, I would say the Shayla Shad's definitely been the most popular. Mm-hmm. All right. Now a follow-up question to that would be, if you had to pick one bait from your lineup, which <laughs> it didn't have to be the same, it doesn't have to be one color, but if you had to pick one for every, you know, everything, which which model would it be? Uh, that's such a tough, because I grew up casting, and now with us going to St. Clair, we do troll more when we go there, but my heart is probably more in casting. I would probably yeah. say I could, I could definitely get a fish on almost any lake that I went to with like an 8-inch jerk bait. Um, I might not get yep. the numbers, because I'm not covering the water that you do when you're trolling and but 
confidence-wise, I, I honestly, I mean, I've caught them in every single lake I've ever fished, the rivers, kind of every place we went, we've got them on jerk baits. And, I mean, even at St. Clair, we have not caught a lot, but we, we haven't casted there a lot, but we have got some on jerk baits there. We actually got one from shore one time on the Michigan side. Awesome. Casting, so it's a bonus. Yeah. We were fishing from my, my yeah. buddies. My son was at a tournament in Detroit, stopped at my buddy Eric's and we casted from his like a like a boat dock area. And I really didn't think we would, you know, catch anything from there and we had a couple follows, had one on, you know, as we're trying to get the hooks out of it, it shook loose, which is good, but it was really neat to to get some action in about a forty minute span to have three different fish, you know, come up to shore. Thought that was pretty good. Yeah, you don't have to worry about all the the weather on Saint Clair that that kicks up if you could just catch them from the dock. If there's that many there, it'd make you wonder if you got like a box full of gerbils and just started throwing them out there, see what would happen. See if they would hit on top. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now, when I think of Leo lures, I think of the jerk bait. I mean, I really do. That's the. Now, you had some. Did you have a tie in with uh, Ed Lediano to get that started? Yeah. Yeah. On the jerk baits, I. Well, my first tie in with him was he, he needed baits painted. And yes. I didn't paint a ton of baits for him, but I did paint lures over the years for him. And uh, it was sort of cool because on the tail end of the lure, he would always put an L for Leo that, that I painted it for him. And then... Oh, neat. Uh, I can't remember what year it even was. He had come to me and he's like, he goes, you... He called his jerkbait a Ready Eddie. And uh, he's like, yeah. you have to start using these. You got to start making them. And I just felt funny because he was still making lures. I didn't want to be making the same thing. And... uh he just kept for probably like a three-year span, two or three-year span. He kept telling me, "You got to make these. You got to make them." So he had showed me how to make my first couple on how to weight them right and how to epoxy that front screw in. And I mean, Ed was a good guy. He knew definitely knew he what he was doing. He might have did stuff, I would say, the old-fashioned way, but it was right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he wasn't the type like he would show you what he did. He didn't hold back anything. He's just a, a heck of a nice guy. Yeah. So your jerkbait body model was uh, inspired by Ed Ladiano's Ready Eddie. Yeah, yeah. I had I I didn't make the body the same as his. I, I sort of wanted my body to be just a little bit different. So um, I changed the the body length and diameter and everything. But I have the same cuts, pretty mm-hmm. much weighted the same way. I mean, some of mine are weighted lighter than his. But uh, they're made very similar to the way he used to make his. And it was just uh, yeah. it was funny because the, the first time I'd thrown one, I wasn't impressed with it at all. I, I, I'm sitting there jerking the rod. I'm doing everything the right way, and I'm waiting to see a little bit more action, and they just sort of dive down and come towards you. And I thought, what in the That's world? Perfect. You know, That's perfect. How's this going to work? And we, yeah. were, <laughs> we were on Tamarack Lake, and... Uh, all of a sudden, I had this big muskie come up behind it, and it's just, you know, inches from it, but not grabbing it. And I don't know, I got just so excited over that action. And we, I think we went to a tournament right after that at Woodcock, 
and we won a tournament. Or you know what? Actually, I think we come in second place in the tournament, but it was on a jerk bait, and it was like after that, I was, I don't know, I was, if I was casting, which still today, if I'm casting, I'd say 90% of the time it's a jerk bait. Every once in a while, I'll throw a crank bait, but the majority of the time, it's definitely a jerk bait. Isn't it crazy how, like, I remember when I first got into musky fishing and stuff, everyone was like, you got to have these baits, these baits. So I went out and I bought a suic, I bought a reef hog, and just all the other standard that people have. And I remember putting the suic on, and I'm like, this thing don't work worth nothing. And I, and I, I mean, but I shelved the jerk bait until pretty much I started fishing with Todd. Well, I, I take that back. There was one little jerk bait that I did pick up. This was years and years ago, and it was a it was a sand cat by I think it was Big Fork that makes them, and I guess I never realized that that was like a jerk bait. And then when I started fishing with Todd, and and him like really this is a thing. And then you know kind of like what Leo was saying, it's like it takes that one fish to like solidify this works, mm-hmm. and then you're you're kind of like hooked on it. And, yeah. yeah. It's we're like a broken record over here with jerk baits, but yeah, I, I I think we all prefer to use those nowadays. I used the Leo jerk bait when I first started. I I love the things they mimic the lure that I caught my big one on. So I went out and I bought a bunch of those and caught some fish on them and whatnot. They're sporadic, just beautiful jerk baits. I mean, you they're wonderful. Now Vance, remember like the last podcast? I was I I took you to that spot where I caught that sucker. Yeah, the only the only fish that I landed out of that hole was on a Leo jerk bait. Really, it was like the five inch, like the little the guy, inch, or the eight inch. The eight inch. Don't that, you make a really small one too, Todd? Yeah, the five inch is the smallest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's weighted really light to get shallow, but yeah, five inches is the smallest, and I make them clear up to a nine inch. Mm-hmm. I I, I love. It's funny, like 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 when we first started using them. I mean, we lose a lot of fish on them, too, because just the way I, I think where your hooks are, as you're jerking, those hooks fling forward, and a fish hits it, you got to set the hook, and you have nothing, or they get off. And But if you start looking at how many follows you have, how many fish you catch, how many fish you lose, just all together, your numbers are up. And it's like years ago, oh, yeah. we used those little rebels, we used MEP spinners and stuff, and we did good on all them. But honestly, when I switched to the jerk bait. Every number casting went up. You started seeing more, having more success with the with the. Oh jerk yeah, bait. I've had yep. some. In, I've had some insane days on Leo jerk baits. <laughs> we had uh, me and you had fun that not, time. No, I was like the. Well, we went to we went to Chautauqua and fished the you know that southern end and we had some action and yeah, yeah it was you and I <laughs> yeah yeah I was like that six inch one. You know, I don't know why. That's the one I've always liked. And yeah, I'm trying to. I'm they put t- them in a boat. Yeah. I'm, Todd, remember that first show that we did down in Warren? And like, we're sitting there in mm-hmm. the corner of that back room, and like, I look kind of mm-hmm. look behind our display, and there's a box there with two Leo jerk baits, and you're like, I just wanted to show you these, like, almost like you didn't know how to bring it up, but you, you were just like, I'm like, oh, <laughs> because there was no one walking by us. We were jammed yeah. way in the back corner. And I, I spent a good a good portion of time just sitting there playing with it. Yeah. Probably looking really silly to anyone sitting there like a child. <laughs> yeah. Really chewed up. Yep. Really chewed up, yeah. But what's yeah. what's the uh the biggest fish on on that uh 
Leo jerkbait that you know of? Um, oh, I can't even really think. I mean, I know of 50 inches. I have not got a 50 incher jerking. Uh, I've got them up to 49 is the biggest, you know, I've caught with a jerk bait, but, uh, I'm trying to think offhand. I, I honestly can't, I know we've got fifties and 51s. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the biggest I know offhand on a jerk bait. There's been some awfully big fish caught on your crankbait, though, up in St. Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah, there's been, like, I think the biggest biggest one was a guy from up near uh, Ottawa. He got a 57 and a quarter. <laughs> oh, and my. another guy got a 57 out of the um, St. Lawrence River on a musky dog. How big are, how big dog, yeah. dog. How big are yeah. those baits? Um. They're about six and three-quarter inch, just the bodies. But they're a little bit deeper diving. They'll get down about 10 feet with, you know, 40 feet of line out. Mm-hmm. But these guys, they'll, they run them, you know, back a little further to get them down. And, but, yeah, those were the two biggest fish. But, I mean, there's been a lot of, you know, we've got a lot at Lake St. Clair, a lot of 50, like 55s, 54s, you know, anything over 50. We've, we've got a lot on Shayla Sheds. I mean, that's definitely been our number one lure on that lake. So you get a giant out of the St. Lawrence on a six and a half inch sun bait, and you're catching it's a fat bait. It's it, a fat it, it, bait. it has a good. I mean, it's a nice. Okay. It, it, it's got bulk to it. Yeah, I should go get them. They're yeah, right. they're they're sitting in the pole barn, and you're also you also put a hurting on the St. Clair fish with a metal lip. But yep. they they don't eat yeah, the metal could... lip. But they don't eat metal lips. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because, like, the uh, St. Clair, like, the first year that we went there, I had no idea, you know, what, we're, what we were doing. That was back, me and Jim Walker went in 2005. I don't know if we turned our GPS on before we ever even got there. I mean, everything was new, putting planer boards out and all that stuff. But um, everybody had told us to use smaller baits on that lake, and I'm, I just wasn't used to that. I was used to with my lures i was mainly using my riffle runners which are eight inch and the musky dogs and sometimes you know a hog that's 11 inches and at the quarthas we always did good on them i went to st Clair, yeah. and it was definitely a shayla shed i mean just kept going off going off going off and i to prove a point that one day i put an 11 inch hog on and probably trolled an hour and a half two hours which i know anywhere you fish that's normal but we were doing really good that day on Shayla Shads, and that rod would not go off. And I switched back to a Shayla Shad, and I know it might have been 15 minutes the rod went off again. And I was like, well, that just proved my, you know, theory of what I've heard from everybody is to go with the smaller bait. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, That's awesome. So yeah, then, Like I said, with anything, too, though, if you leave that bait on long enough, you're going to catch fish. There there are certain lures that are going to catch more, though. And uh, it, that Shayla shot, I just had so much confidence that that was what we mainly had out. I know, like, like there's bigger fish that were caught on, you know, musky dogs in different areas. I, I At St. Clair, that just wasn't the lure that, was, that the fish were wanting. They were definitely wanting that smaller bait. Mm-hmm. Nice. Now, <clears throat> you, you touched on earlier about uh, painting. And how you you started out, and there was some disappointment from family members and stuff. What was 
like what was the turning point to, to like switch it from you know just average joe blows paint to really getting it going um honestly i think it was when my <laughs> when my dad said that it was like a big eye opener because if he would have said hey you know what these look great i may may not have really changed a whole lot and i think by him being honest with me and you know i, I made the switch but it's like i i always i'm always trying to do a different pattern or you know add something to it and i watch a lot of the videos um online i, I like watching how they paint with uh like the motorcycle tanks and helmets and just see the techniques that they're using and i try to put that into a fishing lure that you know with like the marble finishes and just something different that maybe some of the guys that have bought lures for you know somebody that's been musky fishing for 30 years they may not have seen that and think that you know it's pretty cool and it's it's not just a, a cool looking paint pattern it actually works too but I, I just like always like to keep changing and you know just try to you know keep making them look better if i can yeah, it, it's it. it I, I love coming to your booth because it's like you're not the kind of guy that will go and post stuff all over Facebook and every step of the way people know exactly what you're doing. Like I like I said earlier, I came I'm like these Lexan lips when it's like a surprise every year. Now, I had two surprises this year. One was your Lexan lip that mojo and the other was that that little top water. Oh yeah, I, I I had no idea, and it's just like, how I'm like, how am I out of the loop so much? So what was that little top water for? Do you, that do you... that top water lure actually, it's funny because I, the first lure I ever seen like that with a tail that spins across the surface was it was called a tallywhacker, for muskie. I'd seen that back in up at Howard Wagner's store. Um, this had have been probably around 1991, 92, and I bought one. And I was like, this is, this is neat, but I want to make this for bass. So I sold them for years. I mean, like from 1992, probably for about the next five to six years, we made them and I called them a tailspin. Um, I really don't remember the length of them. I want to say maybe any, cause I made smaller, like really small ones. Um, I would say anywhere from about two inch to two and three quarter inch long, but they had that, you know, just a nice top water the tail spun across the surface but it ended up being i had more time in that little bass lure than any musky lure i was making and <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't get the any money out of that it, it just wasn't worth your time so i quit uh making that size and i think it was in 2006 i sat there and i hand carved a whole face sort of to look like like you know a real fish like how like a mega bass you know, lure looks, and I wanted the raised eyes and everything. So I hand-carved the whole head and really looked at getting it injection molded. And I, I met with you the one time, Andy, at, at one of the shows, I think it was the Butler show, mm-hmm. about getting the getting the head made out of uh, a mold made so I could do it out of resin. Yeah. And it was funny because I, I did all, everything seemed like it was going to work fine, and it's like you get busy with your regular lures and you got to keep putting that on the back burner and it just sat again for a few years and I talked to a few different places about getting it injection molded and uh, long story short, I ended up, um, I've been doing work for Matt Zuo lures, which make like bass and, you know, walleye lures 
I showed them that lure, I think it was three years ago or four years ago, and we ended up getting, you know, dyes and everything made so they could be injection molded, and uh, they're all wire through and everything, and they're, you know, starting this year, they're supposed to be sold under the Matsuo name, but if on the back of the package, it'll say, you know, this lure was designed by Todd Leopardi, so it's sold by them under their name, but it has given me some recognition. I just... To be able to get in as many stores as they can get them in, I, there's no way I could. I can't make them. Yeah. You know, I can't make yeah. enough of them to keep up. Yeah, and, and for anyone that, that might not know what, what we're talking about bait style-wise, it's essentially a little itty-bitty baby top raider. And I think it's right, the coolest right. little thing ever. I have both of the ones I grabbed. They're in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. They're, they're sitting <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't yeah, know. If, what's that? It, it, they're neat because they like the the detail that's in the face of these ones. I mean, I I couldn't do that on my lathe. I can't add like the gill markings and the raised eye and everything. I mean, that was something that had to be molded. But like my old original ones, they were just a rounded you know head on them and um, just a neat neat little bait. Yeah, I I I looked over when I was at the at the Musky Max and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're making these now and. <laughs> Because you know that was one thing that you know I didn't talk I didn't talk openly about with with people was you know when when we were kind of working back and forth on that I I didn't say nothing and finally I saw it pop up I'm like it's here so I had to I had to get him for the Hall of Fame and um, yeah that was that was pretty that was pretty cool I remember you you made me that mold mm-hmm. and uh, it was just the neatest I I had you know. I don't know anything about making them out of a resin or anything like that. And, uh, just seeing the mold and how it's made, I, I thought that was pretty interesting. That was a neat, neat thing that you did for me. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool. I mean, like, but there is a science behind it and, you know, I don't want to say anyone off the street can do it, but if you have a decent setup, I mean, you can, you can do some really nice, nice things with, with some of the molding and all that, but, how tiny that thing is that would be very difficult to do on a lathe oh my god i mean yeah that i mean i i made them i used to sell a lot of those little bass lures for a long time i called them a tail spin and um it just like i said it just got so time consuming that i I just couldn't i I should probably get back into making them you know out of cedar but yeah um but i I, i'm gonna we're gonna switch gears real quick because this has been burning in the back of my mind since you said it. You said you said something about Cabela's. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask, too. You did some painting uh-huh. for them. Can you talk about it? Yeah. Yeah, I, what I did was um, a, a guy that I met at ICAST. I've been, I've been painting lures at ICAST the past three or four years for Matt Zuo, right, like right at the show. And I met a gentleman from, from Cabela's, and, you know, he had asked me about, you know, if I would be interested in, you know, designing some colors for them. And, you know, I was, I was like, sure, I got his business card and everything. And one of their people contacted me about just not painting all their lures for them, just designing colors for some of their new, like, bass lures and walleye lures. And um, this was a year ago that I painted probably, I would guess, maybe eight different sizes of their lures. And... You might paint, say, 
you know, 15 different colors or 20 different colors, it doesn't mean that they're going to pick them all. But they go through and whichever ones they really liked, then they have their company go ahead and copy that color, you know, onto the lures. It was just, I was just designing the lure, the color for their lures. Hmm. That's neat. I, I, I never even would have thought that that was a thing. Yeah, like you'll see on a lot of theirs, they have like that that thread fin color that I do, or my it's a regular, it's a like a natural like bluegill pattern. I mean, there's a lot of different colors that they picked, but um, yeah, it's just something. It's sort of neat. I mean, I I would have I would have thought it being, you know, really cool to be able to do a lot of their painting, but I don't know if I could even keep up with quantities yeah. that they sell. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's. It was pretty neat, you know, having that hook up with them. And I did the same thing, like, with Matt Zuo. I designed colors for their, um, I think it's called an Akari. It's like a lipless bass lure, like a similar to, like, a rattle trap. And there's Xanda uh, walleye bait. And, yeah, just, you know, painting a bunch of different colors for them. And same thing, they go through and pick out the ones they would like on their lures. Nice. Now, I'm going to start chasing you around on this. I asked you about Cabela's, and you talk about you're down at iCast. Let's talk about iCast. Uh-huh. <laughs> You've been going down there, and, and, and like, are you there for your baits, or you're, you're there with Matt Zuo? I'm there for Matt Zuo to paint. Um, I mean, I'd love to do it for my lures. Uh, it's, it's the biggest show that you can go to for fishing, and um, it's in Orlando. Some years they have it in Las Vegas, but... Each year I've gone, it's been in Orlando. Um, for a small guy like me or, you know, you guys, not not saying small, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, a yeah. Home, home yeah. Oh, yeah. Maker. Um, that's just an expensive show to do. I mean, your, your booth space are mm-hmm. crazy expensive, your travel, your stay there. Um, but you get some really good exposure to everywhere. I mean, you got people coming from all different countries to this show. It's not not just people coming from the United States. I mean, they're from everywhere. Yeah. You know, when I see ICAST, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, is this, you know, like, it's obviously like a multi-species show, but to me, it's almost like this is the unveiling of the new stuff. And are there people there set up? They're like, Hey, try our spoons. Like they're, they're actually like, there's money being exchanged um, and, and there's people walking around with no. bags of product. No, you don't. You can't buy anything there. Um, everything is on display. Um, I would say the majority of it seems like it's it's uh, focused towards bass fishing. And but there's a little bit of everything. There's fly fishing. There's you know bass. There's musky. There's stuff for carp fishing. Uh, all your electronics. All the big name companies are there and they're, they they want to show. Um, I was, I was, the booth I was painting at, I was straight across from Lawrence a few years ago, and they had this big unveiling of their new, you know, fish finder. And, uh, I mean, there's hundreds of people standing around their booth to see this new, new product. And it's mainly the first, it's a three-day show, and the first couple of days it's just for uh, purchasing agents and buyers and business owners to walk through and see, you know, what's new. Uh, while they're looking at what's new, you know, they might, I'm sure they're going to look at your whole product line and, uh, you know, a lot, I guess that's where they place a lot of their orders or they, they get the information and place their orders later, but there's no, 
you're not really buying anything right there. You're not, not able to take anything home with you. Some of the places might give you some, uh, you know, a sample or something, but not a whole lot of samples. It's more or less to go and see what's new, what's out there. And you, and you were there uh, set up to paint? Yeah, what I did for Matt Zuo was um, they wanted me to paint their lures. Like uh, the year that I painted, I designed the colors for the Ikari, their lipless bass lure. Mm-hmm. They had a whole pile of those, and they would have, like, say it would be, I'm just throwing a name out, but say it would be, like, the purchasing agent for, uh, say, Cabela's, and he might mm-hmm. want a special color for the Cabela's store on that lure, and he would say, hey, can you design me something with, you know, these colors? I would paint something up. That way he can take it back, show it to his people, and if, if they like that, then they would order, you know, say from Matt Zuo, however many baits in that color, or add that to what other stuff that they're working And you were, like, painting on the spot? Yeah, and it's uh, it's different because I'm not really? is I don't use water-based paints for my lures, but at that show you have to use water-based. Um, and it's, it's, you know, a little learning curve for me cause I, I'm just not used to how slow it is. I'm like with the automotive mm-hmm. paints, you can paint so much faster, but you can't paint with that out in the public or at a show like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. all, all, all water base. The, the, That's interesting. That's great. Is there like an underlying pressure involved? I mean, like, so let's just say the show starts at 10 o'clock in the morning and goes till six. I don't even know what the hours are. You get there at like nine fifty-five, and you stretch and you grab the airbrush and you're airbrushing for eight hours straight, just brushing paint, you know, on, on base. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, uh, it's, it's like, it's funny. Cause I think for some people it would not be, I, I love painting, so it doesn't bother me, but it, I get there about, I think the show starts at, I don't know if it's eight o'clock or nine o'clock and it goes to about six in the evening. I'm usually there at least an hour ahead of time getting, I bring like nine airbrushes, all the paints, a small compressor <laughs> and everything. And it's honestly, I'd probably stand in about a six foot by six foot space from an hour, hour and a half before the show starts until the show's done. I mean, I do not move. It's nonstop painting. And, uh, it's, it's, like I said, if it was, if I was using my paints, I could get done quicker. But, um, if you're familiar with paint, like with water base, it's you you put a coat of paint on, hit it with a hairdryer to speed up the drying. Um, it's just such a slow process that you're trying to do a really nice job for the people. So, you know, you're adding, you might have eight, eight, nine, ten, eleven 11 different colors on one bait. It's just not a fast process and you're, you're doing really every single lure that you do is a custom paint job it's not you're not you don't got the convenience of doing you know 25 arthur perch or you know it's you got one and that's why i have all the airbrushes set up and it's 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 busy but like i said i i really enjoy it so it doesn't doesn't really get to me yeah when i was painting with water base i was a mess like because I I just run like one airbrush, and it's like oh time to change paints, and I just had this water bottle, <laughs> like you'd see like you know whatever football players, and it's just like <laughs> just to blow as yeah. much out as I can, and I'm just thinking man if you have nine of those things sitting there, 
and you don't touch one for several hours and it starts to get dry on you and i probably wouldn't even salvage i just un- uncork it and throw it in the garbage <laughs> well it's funny because the first year that i went to that show I, i'm sure you guys have been to florida or you know the orlando area it's way more humid mm-hmm. and inside with it being air conditioning it, you know it was nice but yeah. once the show started you could just feel it getting warmer and muggier and my paint my guns are plugging up and i'm not used to that like <laughs> not used to having so many problems so i'm ripping airbrushes apart cleaning them and you know it's like a little bit crazy i mean the, the first day of it i was i was pretty getting pretty stressed out and the the guy that i do the work for he was like oh my god you did a great like they're giving you all these compliments and i'm thinking man i don't know if this was a disaster or not i mean i I painted a lot of baits but i don't know i just felt like i was like in slow gear the whole time but it's i don't know there's definitely easier ways just trying to keep the tips clean and you know if you're not going to use that that certain color just clean it out as soon as you can but like after the show would be done I unhook every airbrush, bring them back to my room, and hopefully the hotel don't hear me saying it, but I get the uh, the little plastic bucket for ice. Oh, jeez. And <laughs> put a plastic bag in it, fill it up with hot water, and soak all my airbrushes. But, uh, yeah, it's, you, you pretty much got to rip them apart every night, clean them, put them back together, and the next morning you're hooking everything back up. It's just, it's, oh, it's, definitely, it's definitely a lot of work. Yeah, and that when you go to that solvent-based stuff, it is to me the colors are just brighter. They're more there, and like you were saying, the speed it's it's incredible how much faster you can paint. You yeah, and you get I, I think you get so much more depth with your colors too. With with the auto, you know automotives and everything, it's just your your paint looks it look I don't know how to say it, but it's like crisper. more alive. Yeah, it's not it's not like a doll looking. Uh, paint job it's it, it looks that's what I, I would have some of the ones i painted at home to show some of the people and uh you know they they loved them and like some of the colors i just couldn't do there because i have some like some of the paints that are like the flip-flop paints that change color mm-hmm. i couldn't get yeah. i couldn't get what i wanted in a water base and you know there were certain certain things that you know like your marble finishes or your you know any of that stuff i i couldn't do with a water base to, I, I wanted to show them there that I could do, but you know, it's like it's almost like you're teasing them with, you know, taking a kid to what they can do. Can't yeah. have any candy. <laughs> yeah, but for your safety, I'm doing it this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, now you said like each one is its own color when you're down there. Are you just like taking requests, or is it just like don't do the same one twice? I mean, because if it was me, I'd be like, I'm gonna paint perch all day long. No, it's 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 a request on every single one of them. Yeah, it's it, you. I have like a booklet, and the first year, um, I tried doing the majority of it by myself. Um, the last couple of years, I had Lori, you know, with me, and because I'd have to stop and write down what the person wanted, and then I'm sitting there trying to paint. You know, you're getting backed up. You might have nine people waiting to tell you what they want, so I'm not painting when I'm doing that, and uh soon as they leave it's like you're flying trying to figure out what all colors i got to get set up on and as i'm getting lures done later in the day yeah i had to assemble them and put them in a package and you know keep track to whose was whose 
for them to come back. It was just, it's a process. But it with, with Lori being there, I mean, it just, it, it helped out. I mean, you wouldn't believe how much it helps me out with, you know, so I can just keep painting. It sounds stressful. It is. <laughs> it, sounds like it a fun is. show. Like when, I, when I leave there at night, we go to get something to eat. It's just like you feel the air come out of you. You know, it's like you just, you're, you're relaxed and, you know, I want to eat, have a beer and just sit down and do nothing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I couldn't do that for every single day. I'd, you know, I'd go crazy. But <laughs> during that, I, I enjoy it for the, you know, couple days. Paint, I paint usually like two and a half days at that show, and I don't know. I just I I really enjoy the painting. So you you hold an airbrush all day long. It's indented into your hands, and the first thing you want to do is go replace that airbrush with a fork <laughs> <laughs> or a beer. <laughs> or a beer. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> How many lures do you think you push out in those show in those shows? Um, at the iCast show, I would say. In little over two days of painting, probably got to be over 200 baits. Wow. Um, but that's, like I said, if, it, if I was painting at home for that many hours, I could definitely do a lot more baits than that. It's just yeah, you're, you're switching, and, you know, with Lori helping out, that's getting me going through faster. Like on the, on the second day of the show... If I'm there an hour before the show gets started, that's usually like the soonest they'll let you get in there. I fly trying to get my airbrushes hooked up and get as many baits started before, because there's like ones left over from the day before that I didn't get to do. And so now I'm like, you know, you're like in panic mode, so I'm flying before everybody starts getting there, get as many of them done as I can. And, I mean, it would be great if I could paint an hour or two after the show in the evenings just to just to keep painting but yeah, as soon as they tell you the show's over it's got to be you're done and you got to get out of there mm-hmm. nice now okay we're gonna we're gonna switch gears all together here and let's let's talk about you know something that i find is that with the with the bait makers and stuff like that they don't get to go fishing nearly as much as they'd like now do you, how often do you get to go fishing and you know talk a little bit about your boat um, I don't know. I think that's, that's a pretty true statement. Cause it's, I talked to so many guys and they're like, man, that must be great. You make musky lures, you get to fish all the time. And I start laughing because you got to tell them like most of the individuals that are ordering lures from me are, you know, right now or in June or in July. And I'm trying, if somebody gives me an order, I feel I almost feel guilty to be out fishing if I don't have their lure order done. And now I see them, you know, on time of tombing or somewhere. And, you know, somebody's like, well, you're out, you're out fishing. Where's my order? He's <laughs> cupping his <laughs> hands from his boat saying, yeah. where's my baits? Oh my. Yeah. So I definitely don't get to fish nearly every year. I say the same thing. All right, I'm fishing more this year. And it's probably been about the same amount for about the last five years. I, I really don't get to go out as often as I like. Um, if I could get out once a week, I'd be happy. Um, sometimes it's I might be able to get out a Saturday, Sunday, but then I might not get to go again for two weeks. So uh, my I would say compared to a lot of the guys I talk to, my my fishing's pretty limited. But my my son, like I said, he I, I didn't say this. I guess he plays travel ice hockey. And 
I fit that in, you know, from August clear up through March. And then he plays like a, a different league in the summer. So there's different weekends that we can't go. You know, we're at hockey and but, you know, just juggling time. Life gets in the way. Yeah. You know what, though? I, I, he's only going to play hockey for, you know, the next couple of years. And I got a lot of years I can I can make more baits. So, I, you know, I we make we make a good amount now, but I can definitely push it a lot harder in a couple of years. I nice. love it. Nice. Now, we'll 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 kind of uh, you know we're we're well past an hour on this. Let's talk about your boat real quick, and then we'll we'll wrap this one up. Mm-hmm. Um, my boat is uh, it's a '97 Alumacraft um, 185. Uh, yeah, this year he figured it's a 20 year old boat, but it's still. I don't know. It's been a great boat. Um, I would love to love to get something newer, but. Um, this boat it just it runs good i it doesn't leak water and probably the only difference on mine compared to a lot of you guys boats is i have the high back on the back of my boat where yours is you know more open and i, I think there's benefits to that both ways i mean i like the open back like todd's boat mm-hmm. uh, for casting but if we're at lake st Clair, i sort of like having my high back um, it just keeps, you know, sometimes the bigger waves and stuff like that, it keeps it from coming up on you. And, uh, now, that high back, you're meaning like there's not a standard casting deck as that you would see. It's It goes like no, almost mine, back to a transom. Yeah, mine has no casting deck in the back. I actually built, uh, It's a. I think, Todd, you've probably seen it before, that, that big yeah. lure box I have across the back. So it serves two purposes. Yep. It's my, my casting deck, but it, it holds probably probably 250 baits in there too yeah that that is something that you know where, where i'm at i'm close enough to lake erie and it's almost that that need if you want to go out walleye fishing being able to go all the way back i mean you, you got a splash well and stuff like that so let's just say you're going to lose a foot to a two foot back there but being to go straight back flat footed on the on the standard cockpit at level that's great for trolling that's what you yeah. want but then, you know, when it comes time to cast and you're like, oh, someone in the back that's going to, you know, mm-hmm. you see him standing all funny on different things. But, yeah, it, there's there's no perfect boat. We've discussed this at length. But, you know, that, uh, yeah, I, I still have the oldest boat on this podcast right now. <laughs> Mine's a 94. Uh, but I, I thought for sure I had the old one. <laughs> no, no, but I love I love my old boat. I, I've thought before, like about you know getting a newer boat, and then I've also thought the other way is like, why not just you know either keep what I got or you know get maybe get something different and almost like gut it and you know put the inside the way that you want it. But it's just uh, I don't know that the boat that I have right now it's just it's working good for me, and I don't know. I think I'll, I'll stay with it for a while, a few more years anyhow. Mm-hmm. It, it's tough to justify i mean i know that you know like like todd's thinking about a new boat here in the next few years vance has gotten a couple new boats and yeah i got i got mine now i think i've had mine now for four or five years and you know i drove a really far distance to get it and i look at it i'm like is it perfect no but what would be and then what would be the right. price tag if there was one? And, 
you know, yeah. that that's a whole other podcast is is breaking boats down again. Yeah, getting a new one isn't always fun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think you have to have a brand new one to catch more fish or anything like that. I mean, they're definitely no. you know more comfortable, and some of them take the waves better. And you know, the newer motors and everything, you're you know they're quieter and more efficient. But for for my boat, I mean, it for if if I was fishing all kinds of big tournaments and you know stuff, I'd probably want a newer boat. But for the amount of fishing I do, I I, well, I sure can't justify. You know, spending a pile of money on a boat right now. And that's how much they cost, too, is a pile of money. Yes. A pile of money. Yes. <clears throat> I was ecstatic to get mine for under six grand. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's still a good chunk of change. Yep. I mean, that's two fish finders nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Leo, let's let's get those plugs out again from you. You know, talk about tell about the baits, where you can find them, and uh, so people know where to get you. Um, a lot of your local stores around here in Western Pennsylvania carry them. Um, up at Chautauqua, uh, Mike Speary has them at Chautauqua Real Outdoors. Um, we have some stores in Ohio, um, pretty much just in our general area is where we mainly have them. Um, not 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 too much out west. You know, I used to have a, a power stores like in, in Wisconsin and Minnesota, and but just haven't been been out to the shows that direction, and and haven't contacted a lot of the, the old time stores that we had. Probably the, a lot of them have closed over the years, so it's, they were definitely more localized. Yeah. Now, did you ever have anyone retailing in Canada? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I had um had several different stores up in Canada. I have my buddy Tony Gallucci. He lives up like right on Buckhorn, and he's got me into a few stores up in Canada. Um, some of them I, I don't know the names of all the stores because like for Western PA, I had a salesman that he would go and sell to all the stores, and you know I didn't sell direct to them. We have a few stores down in West Virginia this year that we started selling to. Um, can't even offhand think of the names of some of the newer places that we've got. <laughs> That's horrible, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, it's I don't have that problem because because <laughs> the one brick and mortar store that really had my stuff, the the guy passed away like six months ago. So I don't really. It's not like I can say one way or the oh. other. And if somebody wants to put an order in, where would they go? Um, they can just call me direct. I mean, they can call my house. They can go on my, you know, on our website, just www.leolures.com. Um, Message you through Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they could do that. Um, probably, the, honestly, the easiest way is to shoot me an email. I mean, my email address is right on my website, but it's um, leolures at zoominternet.net. Or you can, you know, call my house direct at 724-758-2701. There you go. All right, everyone out there that's listening, blow his phone up. (laughs) (laughs) I want to keep him off the water. Leave a message. Let's fill up that answering machine. Yeah. You won't be, (laughs) you won't have any time to fish now. Absolutely. (laughs) 
or it would be really bad if it's like, yeah, I never got a call. Yeah. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you, I guess it would be real bad if you see me on the water all the time, right? I guess so. <laughs> then you'd know. <laughs> Jeez, he didn't get any phone calls. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Leo, thank you for uh, thank you for joining us here. We have uh, you know this podcast is also brought to you by Boshad. Check them out, Boshad.com. The new store is up and running. Mark's Bait Tackle and Ammo, world's largest Boshad dealer. They have the standard colors in all shapes and sizes. Uh, let's see, they also have the online store. They got theirs up and going. They got the Facebook page. Check out Boshad also on Instagram. He's another one of those Instagram people that I love looking at his photos uh st croix rods best on earth check them out mcfishingguides.com book a trip with vance and todd if you're out in our area and fat easy musky products fatazmusky.com you know this one so um everybody thanks for listening good luck fishing